Well, how did your tomatoes do in 2021? And moreover, what are you going to be planting in the way of tomatoes for 2022? We're talking with Don Shore. He is the owner of Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis, California. And uh, this special edition of the Substack newsletter, Garden Basics, is going to feature sort of uh, our opinion of how tomatoes did last year and how tomatoes are going to fare this coming year based on the varieties you choose. And this would be a good episode if you know somebody who's growing tomatoes for the first time to forward that newsletter email to them so they can give a listen. So, Don, let's talk about 2021. How many tomatoes did you end up planting? 35. 35. <laughs> and, 35 and, and, different and, varieties. And he lives alone, folks. <laughs> no, well, I share a lot. Yes. So okay. I did 35 different varieties, and I started planting them on about the third week of April, because there's this guy I know who has a birthday then, and I just use that as my milestone. That's good. And Thank so you. they went in on the third week of April. April 23rd, I think it is. Well, it's April 28th, but that's okay. Okay. My mother's birthday is right around the same time. Third week of April is a great time to plant them, to start planting them. And I'm going to tell you, I planted the last two plants on the 4th of July. So that's quite a span. And we went through a summer that was, although not unusually hot, there were a couple of very hot spells. And we had our usual number of days over 90 degrees, our usual number of days under 90 degrees. So there were some pollination considerations with different varieties. And uh, I got some variable results, as they always do. There were some real winners. There were a couple of complete zeros, as expected happens, and a whole lot that were right in the middle of the pack. In my case, uh, it was a, quite a mix that I planted of, of hybrid and heirloom, and of course, a lot of the open pollinated ones by Brad Gates of Wild Boar Farms. So those three different categories, modern hybrids, older heirlooms, and these modern open pollinated types. And I did a quite a, I, I balanced my portfolio as we recommend. Yes, indeed. It's very important. And of course, uh, the dates we're talking about here would be applicable, especially to California and to USDA Zone 9. And depending on where you live, you might already be planting tomatoes if you're down in the desert southwest. On the other hand, if you're sharpening your snow shovel, it might not be till May before you stick your tomatoes in. But generally speaking, especially for beginning tomato growers, what you just said about balancing the portfolio is very important, especially choosing ones that have proven themselves across the country to build up your confidence and maybe throw in one or two uh, extra ones uh, just to experiment. Yeah, something about the pandemic was that it brought a whole lot of new gardeners into garden centers. And these are people who had never planted anything before. And of course, the most popular summer vegetable is the tomato. If they're going to plant five or six tomato plants, I wanted them to walk out with at least three hybrids, at least one cherry tomato, preferably sun gold, but another cherry tomato would be fine. And then a couple of interesting tomatoes, heirlooms or something new or something they've never heard of or something that just intrigued them. But I wanted to see that combination, particularly the modern hybrids, which have a lot of advantages and any novice tomato gardener should plant a cherry tomato because they'll produce under quite a wide range of circumstances. Speaking as a retailer, when people are telling me they don't really know even if they have full sun or not, I want them to go out with something that's got some small fruit on it that's a reliable producer. The example being sun gold, or if you like a more of a plum shaped one, you know, the, the, excuse me, pear shaped one, something like Juliet, which are just really reliable producers pretty much everywhere. Uh, the nursery industry, I'm on a Facebook group and someone posted that what are your top selling tomato varieties? 
you know, the sun gold was on every single list. I believe that. All across the country. And most of them also had early girl on there. Very good choices. A couple of girls uh, were among my best performers in in my garden, the Valley Girl and New Girl, (laughs) which are hybrids, which are, are, uh, I guess, improvements over early girl. Yeah, an early girl has been so consistent for so long that I would, you know, if you're only buying two or three tomato plants, that should probably be one of them pretty much anywhere. The advantage of early girl and what makes it early is it can set fruit at lower temperatures and hold those fruit at lower temperatures than many, if not most other varieties. So some of your listeners who are up in more northerly latitudes get a later start on the season, have a short season because of where they are, they should probably look for some of those early types. And that one has been, since it was introduced in the 1970s, become one of the very best of the early tomatoes. Big Beef is another early early setting and developing one that's done very well. Fourth of July is another that I can recommend highly for early production almost anywhere. If you're in an area where tomatoes aren't really your thing, you know, because it's not a long enough season, it's not warm enough, definitely look for some of those. You can tell on the label, too, if you're buying it via seed and sometimes the uh plant marker will indicate two of days to maturity. So if you're looking for a quick growing full-size tomato, you probably want something that matures in 60 to 65 days. Yeah, and some like 4th of July, they list 49. So you'll get some ripe fruit off of there surprisingly quickly. That's a good one. That was introduced to me by a local botany professor here in Davis uh, several years ago. Very consistent producer. Very, very, People are very happy with it. Three to four ounce fruit. A lot of these early ones tend to be smaller fruited. Partly, it probably just doesn't take as long to develop. Uh, but those are good choices. The one of the um, cherry tomatoes that I grew this year, I, I, I always grow Sweet Million, and that did okay this year. But th- an heirloom, Gardener's Delight, was the best performer of the year. It produced consistently from early in the season, in our case, all the way through December. So I think pound for pound, as far as production goes, it was Gardner's Delight, an heirloom tomato. And you mentioned that you have an heirloom tomato that also produced a lot. I was really surprised by Cherokee Purple this year. I plant it every couple of years. It's a fun one to grow. It's one of the blue purple. They're all the rage right now. And I've always planted that one. It's got great flavor. It's about a four to six ounce fruit. It must have produced close to 100 fruit on the vine this year. Ordinarily, I'll get 20, 30, 40, which is nice, but not, you know, not stacking up there with Champion or some of the other real producers. It was my top producing in terms of total numbers, maybe not total poundage, but total numbers. Cherokee Purple, old heirloom, been around forever, was a very good producer, which is weird, but that's the thing about tomatoes. You have something anomalous every year, something like that. There are some varieties that are very consistent. We can find ourselves recommending them over and over again. But I do like to throw in something a little different, something with a different color to it, something with a different shape or unique flavor or something like that. And every now and then, one of them will surprise you. In the other direction, every now and then, something will, as I like to say, completely skunk you. And you'll plant a plant and get an eight-foot vine with, what is it, zero fruit or one or two? And, of course, there's a couple that are very familiar for that. Uh, I did it. I did do the favor, everybody, of planting a beef master and planting a brandy wine tomato this year. And the plants grew very nicely. They were extremely healthy, vigorous vines, about eight foot range by the end of the season without a single tomato on either of those varieties. I don't recommend them, but I wanted to do this once again just to confirm that recommendation. Well, let, let, let's 
clarify that you're you're not recommending them for your customers here in northern california but right. a piece of advice that you gave us a, a long long time ago and it really makes a lot of sense is that brandy wine may do just fine where it was developed back in pennsylvania and in that area and that was always a good tip choose tomatoes that are right for your area yeah, beefsteak is a really good example of one that I believe came from the upper Midwest originally. Uh, beefsteak was an actual variety once upon a time. Now, that name has worked its way into all kinds of tomato varieties, beef this, beef that, steakhouse, you name it. Beefmaster and beefsteak are very good varieties, I'm told, in the upper Midwest. They have never performed well for me here, and it's generally simply a lack of pollination, which tells you that it's a high temperature issue for us. So again, all, to, all gardening is local, and it's really true for tomatoes. You do have some varieties that are very consistent across all regions, and those are good ones for beginners to start with. Then you should find out locally what does well. There may be places where Beefmaster and Brandywine are the best tomatoes in the region. They're definitely not high producers here in the Sacramento Valley or places where we have this kind of very high temperatures in the summer and the dry heat that we have. So I'm going to place a bet this year on a tomato that you've already mentioned, although it is an alleged improved variety of that tomato. You mentioned the big beef and I just got some seeds from Johnny selected seeds of big beef plus, which is supposedly an improvement ah. sweeter than the original with added resistance to something called tomato spotted wilt virus. We get that here occasionally. Actually, tomato spotted wilt virus is not as big an issue for us as it is in other regions. Big Beef was an AAS winner in the early 1990s. It came, we sold a lot of it, it did well, and it just kind of fell out of favor. And a few years ago, one of our mutual friends mentioned that it was a really good performer for him and some of the others in the community garden in Sacramento. So I started growing it again. And in, in fact, it is. It's an early set. It's, it was introduced for the fact that it would produce large fruit early, even in places that aren't really considered long enough season for tomatoes to do that well. And so it, it earned that AAS award. It just had so much competition. I think it kind of fell by the wayside. So you'll have to give us a full report on how this improvement on big beef goes. Is it just an improvement for flavor or that disease resistance? Or have they unfortunately traded off that tolerance of uh, lower temperatures for fruit set on it. Big beef has been a good one. That, that's a, a good one that anybody could start with if they want a large fruited slicing type tomato in an area where you want to get early start. You just mentioned another great tip uh, as far as choosing tomato varieties. If you're new to tomato gardening, go to the All America Selections website. The All America Selections winners, uh, they test all their product, they're the flowers and vegetables, they test them across the country, and some of them are national winners. Basically, they have done well in most areas of the country. And so you can never go wrong with an AAS national winner. Yeah, and the ones that are the ones, I should say, that are racking up AAS awards are the Chef's Choice series. Uh, Chef's Choice Orange, I think, was the first one I grew four or five years ago. I was quite impressed with both the vigor of the vine. This is one of these 10 to 12 foot tomato plants and the volume of production that it had. Now there's chef's choice, red, pink, bicolor, couple of others. I think there's six, maybe even more colors at this point. So far, I'm growing them all and I'm gonna grow uh, every one of them this year, just side by side for a comparison trial. Chef's choice orange has been a phenomenal producer, 40 to 60 fruit each year, each about a pound. Uh, they're very large fruit. They're firm. They slice well. Uh, the name is appropriate because they hold up well in salads and cooking and things like that. So it's a firmer textured 
type of tomato, very good flavor on them. And I'm going to give it this one, even fruit in full sun did not scorch or scald as happens to many types of tomatoes. So we've got two issues with heat here in the Sacramento Valley and other places where they might be listening, such as parts of Texas or you know areas where it gets very hot. Not just the high temperature impact on pollination, but the direct impact of temperature on the fruit that's ripening that's exposed to afternoon sun. And if it's getting close to ripening and we have 105, 110 degree heat wave, we all know that exposed fruit is just going to scorch. Well, I was very impressed by Chef's Choice Orange, uh, by a couple others, Champion, once again, very good performer in this regard, Bodacious, a new one from Burpee, full sun on the fruit in the late afternoon did not burn the fruit, whereas Celebrity and some of the other well-known varieties, any fruit that was exposed during the heat wave was burned. Now, I should say about that real quickly, if you know we're about to have a heat wave, it's going to be 105 plus for a couple of days, you know, real severe heat for three, four, five days. If your tomato fruit has a blush of color to it, you can pick that fruit and it will ripen indoors on the counter. This is an interesting scientific fact, faster than it would out on the vine. Under very high temperature conditions, ripening actually slows down. The kitchen counter, not the refrigerator, no, but it doesn't need to be in the windowsill, just sitting on the counter. At average indoor temperatures, it will ripen just exactly as it would have out on the vine under normal temperatures. And it'll be just almost, almost as good. It'll definitely not be sunburned. So you can save your fruit if a heat wave is coming on by going out and harvesting any that are past breaker stage or showing any color on the fruit. I did the same at the end of the season as well. When a, when a frost was imminent or when nighttime temperatures start dropping steadily below 50 degrees, if I see tomatoes with a, a bit of color to them, I will snip them off, put them in a single row in a box, put them in the garage, wait a couple of weeks, and the next thing you know, you have a red ripe tomato with all the taste quality of a, well, supermarket tomato. <laughs> in the summer it's not that bad right <laughs> but the main thing is you can save the fruit you can go online and you can find these uh, these the charts of the different color stages of root ripening tomato fruit people who are picking it commercially have to know these real well breaker stage is an important thing to know it's gone from green to starting to get yellow from that stage tomatoes are climacteric fruit They'll ripen in a predictable pattern at predictable temp temperatures. So you can ripen it indoors, and that's one way to save the fruit during an extreme heat event, such as we have here pretty much every summer. Uh, they, people often just leave them out there, and then they go out and find the fruit is all toast, you know, just burnt, literally scalded on the west side. Well, if you rush, you can use that fruit. If you wait even a day or so, it's beginning to spoil and it's no good. You're doing exactly the right thing. If you're interested in seeing those color changes of the tomatoes and whether they're salvageable or not, we actually uh, put that chart of the different colored tomatoes as they ripen into the Garden Basics newsletter. So if you go back and you take a look Ooh. at the article called Will Those Green Tomatoes Turn Red? Uh, you can find uh, that uh, chart of the different colors, colorations of the tomatoes themselves. Speaking of uh, Chef's Choice Orange, I grew it for the first time last year. It was a very good performer. That and Orange Oxheart yeah. produced consistently big beefy orange colored tomatoes that were very very tasty and my observation on that one is that it produced steadily through the summer which tells me that it's not as badly affected by the high temperatures in terms of pollination uh, there are some varieties that set well early and then there's a long gap in production and then you get a good yield late here in california we tend to have weather that's suitable for for fruit set and even ripening 
all the way into September, October, and you can be picking fruit, good fruit, well into October. But you get into November, December, your comment about it being almost as good as a supermarket tomato. Well, it's better. If, I, I take that anything, back. Right? It's better than supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you bought, you grew it yourself, and right yes. there is a good, <laughs> good point. <laughs> but uh, you'll find that fruit will set heavily here in August because we tend to have what one local meteorologist calls the August cool down. We have a spell of several days to as much as a week or more where it's cooler in the valley than than has been in July because we get air streaming up from the Gulf and we are cooling off a bit. We tend to get a very good fruit set in August. Now you count out eight weeks from set to ripening. Those are fruit that are going to be picked in October. So someone listening to a podcast where it's frosting in October doesn't help you much. But if you're listening where you have a, a typical late warm summer, warm early fall, as we have to an increasing degree in California, you can get very good yields. And typically my highest harvest month of the year is October because of all the fruit mm -hmm. that's set on big vines that I've watered correctly on August. The last tomato harvest plucked from the vine of ripe tomatoes for me was on December 7th, and the last full-size tomatoes harvested were, were from the New Girl tomato plant. I will be planting that again. Okay. New Girl and Valley Girl, both getting, getting rave reviews from a farmer Fred here. Well, I got to mention two that I have been impressed by that are new, and your listeners better buy the seed because that's the only place you're going to find them is in seed catalogs. These are not going to be in garden centers. The first is Bodacious which is a burpee introduction. Once again, Burpee Seed Company is introducing some of the best tomatoes in the business as they always have. Bodacious is one they're touting highly. It was on their cover of their seed catalog last year. So I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of promotion and I bought some and I started them. It produced steadily, consistently, right through the heat, right through the summer, very good quality fruit. And even the fruit that was exposed to hot direct sun was not harmed by it. So that one really impressed me. And one that I grew this year that actually had a name this year, last year it was just a, a, a number that was being sent out by the folks at the Seeds and Such, is this variety called it's a keeper. It's with a Z. It's a keeper. And it really impressed me last year. And I grew it again this year. And again, very good production, a relatively compact plant. The fruit held well, no matter how hot the temperature was. It's a firm fruit. So it's the kind of thing, if you're in an area where it tends to cool off rapidly in the fall, you could almost certainly pick these and bring them in, keep on the counter and use them for a couple of weeks after you pick them. So it's a keeper. And that's from the seeds and such folks. And their website is seedsandsuch.com, S-E-E-D-S -E -E with an N, right. then S-U-C-H.com. Where, where are they based? Uh, I can't remember. He used to be Totally Tomatoes and then oh, uh, okay. sold that oh, off. And now okay. he's the owner, right. owner of Seeds and Such. Yeah. And uh, he sent this out, this packet with just a, you know, a number, see how this does, free packet. I sent him a note and said, this is one of my best tomatoes last year. Uh, what is it? He goes, well, good news. <laughs> We've given it a name and you can buy it now. <laughs> so, but again, this isn't exclusive to them. So you've got to try some of these new ones. You've got to read between the lines, all the hype that you're seeing in the catalogs. But I do have to say that there's a couple companies that are quite consistent and know their market very well. We should point out, too, that over the last two years, because of the pandemic and new interest in gardening, seeds flew out of the uh, warehouses of the catalog mm. companies very, very quickly. So don't uh, hesitate in ordering your tomato seeds. Get on it during January and you will get something as opposed to if you try ordering seeds in March or April or May, they might say come back in November or December. How is it from a retail standpoint for you stocking either seeds or plants? Is that crunch still going on? 
Well, the plants are fine because the wholesale bedding plant growers geared up rapidly. And as long as we, we could, you know, order from the selection they had, everything was fine. There were things they couldn't get a hold of, just like there were things we couldn't get a hold of. Seeds continue to be a big bottleneck. A lot of the seed varieties are just not available right now. Uh, all of us are ordering earlier and earlier and ordering more and more, which, of course, makes the problem worse. But we're doing our best to get the seed, the seed racks stocked. So there are still some, some real problems there. The other thing people need to be prepared for is some sticker shock when they go in to buy seeds whether it's in the store or from the catalog, that bodacious that I mentioned, for example, I think it's $6.99 for a packet of what, 15 seeds, something oh. like that. <laughs> and that kind of thing is coming up more and more uh, where they're, they're going to cover their increased costs and there are significant increases in costs, uh, particularly for the seed companies. Uh, so you're going to see some higher prices on seeds. But still, growing your own tomatoes from seed is a very economical thing to do. Exactly. And if you're a new tomato gardener, heed what Don Shore says. Start off with those training wheel tomatoes. If you're new to tomato gardening, choose a couple of hybrids, maybe an heirloom, a cherry tomato among those, along with a, a main season tomato. And I guess if you want to, a, a beefsteak style tomato as well. But again, uh, lean towards the hybrids. Yeah, and get at least one or two small fruited types in there. Yeah, and a lot of good cherry tomato varieties. We mentioned several here. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, Brad's Crazy Cherry from Wild Boar Farm. Uh, Gardener's Delight did well for me. Uh, Sweet Million, I plant every year. It that, does fine. Sun Gold has just blown away all the other cherry tomatoes in terms of sales, but I agree with all the ones you mentioned. Juliet continues to be an outstanding producer for almost everybody, almost everywhere. And I like to call that one my empty nest tomato. <laughs> It's for people who used to grow a lot of tomatoes. They like to travel. They want to have one tomato out there. So when they come back from being overseas or whatever, didn't happen a lot this summer, but let's assume that'll happen again someday. They want to have that one out there. They'd be able to go out there and harvest it. Juliet has been a very consistent performer and it continues right on up until freezing weather practically. A lot of great tomatoes to choose from in 2022. A lot of good ideas there from Don Shore of Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis. Redwoodbarn.com is the website. He has a lot of great articles there, too. And I imagine there's a few on there about tomatoes. Just about a dozen or so, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. Uh, anything else you want to plug here? Well, people are wanting to jump the gun. You and I talk about this all the time. So let's just go ahead and mention Real quick summary. There are drawbacks to early planting. Maybe that's the best thing we can leave it at for another show. You put them in too early, oh, you can have a late frost. You can The plants may struggle to get going, and those plants are more likely to have blossom end rot, which I think we addressed in another podcast. Indeed, we did on the tomato troubleshooting episode. Yeah, there is a, a, a lot to be said for planting when it's correct for you to plant. Uh, here in California, even though people are pushing it back into March or so. Well, a, a, as a nurseryman, Don, you, you've seen this trend over the years. It used to be uh, maybe late February, early March when people start asking for tomato plants. Here it is. Uh, we're in the first yeah. week of January here, and you've already had a request. Yeah, already a fellow coming in wanting to know uh, how we we're going to get tomato plants in because you wanted to get a good early start on the season. And I thought right after the holidays, sure, why not? <laughs> no, no, well, it's, I guess if you have a greenhouse, you could. But. Our plan, <laughs> exactly. Our plan is to bring them in early 
have them in our little greenhouse at the back of the nursery. And maybe that'll click that they need a little higher temperature than they would be experiencing outside. But you never know. I've been in retail a long time. January 3rd is not the earliest I've ever had a request for tomatoes, but it's getting there. Well, as you've often advised, do not plant your tomato plants until the night temperatures are steadily above 50 degrees. For the old rule, put on some shorts, go sit on the ground. If you're uncomfortable, the tomatoes will be too. There you go. Yes, indeed. And then bring a towel to wipe yourself off. All right. Don Shore, Redwood Barn Nursery, Davis, California. Thanks for all the great tomato advice. Great to be here. It's great to be anywhere.